I'm going to keep training every day until like I literally can't anymore. And I think that might be a while. So, yeah. <laughs> What's up, guys? Today's guest is a world-renowned freerunner and movement athlete. Please welcome to the Jamcast, Mr. James West. What's up, man? Hi guys, thanks for having me on the on the Jamcast. I really appreciate it. Dude, thanks for uh, the making the time to do so. I know that's uh, kind of a unique circumstance, which is probably a, a positive and a negative subject to talk about. But I think you're currently undergoing a little injury re- recovery right now, right? Yeah, I broke my collarbone. I was actually in LA at Huntington Beach. I did a front full in rollout on the sand and hit my shoulder really hard. Broke my collarbone. Went home, got surgery, and now I'm now I'm feeling better. Dang, that's crazy, man. And in, in, in that clip that you posted online, is that the actual take where you broke your collarbone or was it a separate clip? Yeah, yeah, it is. It doesn't look that bad, but I don't know. I don't think I was flipping fast enough. So instead of like, you know, rolling over, I kind of actually just like dove straight down onto my shoulder. Ah. So it just took, about, took a big impact and yeah, couldn't take it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because in the video itself, it looks like you make the move completely. It doesn't look like you get stuffed in the middle of it. Did you know right away that something was like seriously wrong with it? Yeah, when I, when I got up, I could feel my shoulder like moving. Not not the shoulder joint, like not my arm, but like my whole, like this whole part was like moving back and forth. And I was like, oh man, I really messed it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, could've man. Could have been worse. It's just a bone. It could have been like some ligaments and stuff that would never heal, you know? Yeah, so. 100%. And, and you just mentioned a little bit earlier that you actually had to have surgery on that. What, what kind of procedure is that? Do they actually like put it in place or, or what did they have to do to your collarbone specifically? Yeah, it was just like a pretty basic bone surgery. Like it was just out of place. Like my two bones were like, you know, here and the other one was like below it. They were going over each other. So they just put them together and put a plate and screws in and yeah, you know, it really hurt for the first couple of days, but now it's fine. So, okay. Yeah. And what's the recovery time on a, on a surgery like that? How many weeks until you can start rehab and then before you're fully training again? Um, well, I'm in a sling for like three to four weeks, and I think I can like start rehab after that. And I mean, I could probably like I think I can do some flips as long as I don't like fall onto it. It should be should be all right. Crazy yeah. man. Pretty. I'm, I've always been the type to like get back to it like pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say yeah. like this isn't your first injury by any means. In fact, like I think earlier in uh, June of 2020 is when you broke your fibula, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, dude, I've hurt myself a lot. Like, <laughs> like I've broken both my hands. Like I've sprained both my ankles multiple times and broke one of them. Got a concussion once. Broke my collarbone. Like I've had my fair share for sure. So I, it's kind of better because it helped me gain some perspective so that I know. Like sometimes it feels like you're always going to be injured when you're in the moment, but like if you look back and see that you've recovered from all these other like terrible injuries, then you know that you can make it out of this one. Wow, that is wild, bro. And is this your first like surgical procedure from an injury, or did the fibula require one too? The fibula didn't, but I broke my hand in like 2017 doing a cast, literally a low cast, landed with my hand in a fist on the ground. It wasn't even like a bad landing. I just landed with my hand in a fist and that broke one of the bones in my hand and I had to get surgery on it twice because uh, I, bent the, I bent the first metal plate they put in there. Literally. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was bad. I remember from the first surgery, after the first surgery, 
I went to the gym that night and trained with like a big old like wrapping on my hand. So, you know, that's probably why. Holy crap, man. So the million dollar question I got to ask is, uh, what do your parents think of all the injuries you've gone through? Are they still supportive of it or are they hesitant to let you get back out there? Surprisingly, they're still good. Yeah. I mean, I always handle it well and I'm not, I'm not just like super depressed at home most of the time after my injuries. I'm still like doing my thing. So, you know, they probably just think it's a part of life, which it kind of is. Yeah. 100%. And it's kind of like, uh, I mean, injuries are kind of a part of every sport, whether you play like, you know, baseball, basketball, obviously parkour and free running. Uh, I think what's unique about your injuries though, is that you're kind of getting to this point right now where the moves that have injured you are because they're at such a high level that like the inherent risk factor that's happening with each of the level ups of your skill level that's happening is like, you know, the crazier and more talented you get, the riskier the moves are obviously. Yeah, yeah, I haven't had too many of those like dumb fluke injuries that just happened for no reason. I've definitely had a few of those because, you know, those just happened, but the last two were from a double gate and from a front full end roll, which are both like, pretty hard tricks and I knew what I was doing like it's not not neither of them were dumb I mean the double gate looks fine too you know like I didn't just catastrophically die in the air it's just like when you're going from a height and like taking that much impact and doing that many things in the air like things can definitely happen even if you do it right yeah 100% and I think that's what's so unique about both of your injuries that we're referring to as far as the collarbone and the fibula is like both of the clips you put out online they don't look like horrific injuries like I've honestly seen homies of ours like Bailey or like Cork Boy bail way worse online <laughs> and they're totally fine <laughs> yeah that's yeah, stuff happens i don't know it's fine i'll be back i think Hell pretty yeah. soon no definitely man and you've proven it time and time again that you're able to come back and then in regards to the fibula injury um when you did that when you almost it almost looked like it was your ankle that went um and in that specific situation um i believe you were training with like a group of guys right were you with sean batista on that one as well it was just with sean it was just me and sean at the park yeah Okay. And when something like that happened, like, did he have to help carry you home? Or, like, how did you work that out since that's obviously uh, – it affects your mobility as far as walking? Absolutely. Um, well, basically, I pretty – like, for all my ankle stuff, it's just worked out. The adrenaline right after is enough. So, like, I thought I needed him to, like, you know, hold, hold me a little so that I could use my one leg to get back to the car. It wasn't, like, far away because we were at a school. Okay. But uh, I was actually able to just walk back, and I had to, you know I had to use crutches for that for that injury, but it was never like it was never that bad. I could kind of walk, so that one ended up being okay because okay. it wasn't like a weight bearing. It wasn't a weight bearing bone, honestly. Ah, super chill. Yeah. And now, just in regard, good. in regards Sorry, to yeah. like all your sessions with uh, Sean Batista, like that's obviously not the first time you've trained with him. Where are you based out of specifically? And who do you normally train with on like a weekly basis? Yeah, so I'm about uh, 30 minutes northeast of Boston, so pretty close to Boston. Okay. Sean is south of Boston, so I train with him a lot. Right now, there's really like not many other people here in Boston, but there used to be a lot. Do you know Ethan Clickstein? Yes, I know who he is, and I know him as a Clickstein from all the posts with you as well. Yeah, yeah, I used to train with him. Um, all the time because <laughs> we're from the same town actually the exact same town okay. yeah, it's like a super small town we were the only two people who did flips so they used to be my training partner and that was dope now sean is sort of my training partner but now nobody is because i'm not training but but yeah yeah sean and ethan 
Yeah, it's, that's super awesome, and, and it's amazing to be uh, able to train with someone like Sean. Uh, how old were you when you first like started getting into training, and has it been something you've always been obsessed with, or how did you like get into parkour and tricking? So when I started seriously getting into it, I was like 10 or 11, but I think even before that, I had like a little phase. Like I distinctly remember trying to do like a backflip on a mattress and like even a tornado kick on a mattress, I think. So I had a phase, and then when I was 10 or 11, my mom took me to a free running class because um, free running has always been a big thing around here, or more like pure parkour, like Kongs and stuff. Uh, somehow I ended up going to like the main gym. Do you know Team Dodo? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I ended up going to the gym that they train at. Just And then I started taking a tricking class there, and that was pretty much it. I just went to that gym and trained a lot outside. Wow, that is wild, man. And so you just made reference to Team Dodo. Did you get to train with other members of it, obviously besides Sean? Like, did you ever get a chance to train with Alfred? Um, yeah, well, I definitely have trained with Alfred a lot. But with all of Team Dodo, like, I kind of started free running only after they, like, sort of stopped. Because I used to trick only, like, only twisting, basically. Yeah. Uh, so by the time I started free running, they were mostly gone. But I've trained with Alfred a lot as well. Okay. Yeah. And just to put it in perspective for people, uh, how old are you at the current age right now, and how many years have you been doing parkour and free running and tricking for? I'm 19. I've been doing it for like eight years or so. Okay. Super crazy, man. And because you're from the Boston area, do you ever get the chance to train at the Hub, or have you ever met up with, with those guys over there as well? Yeah, I've been to Hub PTC a good few times. It's pretty far away, and it's like a super like pure parkour gym, so I don't go there too much, but when I've been, it's been dope. Like, it's a blast. They've got a trampoline and stuff, too. And, like, it's fun to train parkour. I just don't do it that much. Okay. And so, obviously, yeah. you kind of just, you know, made mention of it right now, how you started with tricking foundations and, uh, and and just being obsessed with twists back in the day. I remember watching videos of you, like, uh, like 2017, you were just doing all the hard twists and all the hard flips and stuff like that. Uh, at what point did you make the decision to start delving into the parkour and free run community and start, you know, going after all these other different elements of free running specific type tricks? Yeah, so it just kind of happened because the Team Kyoto gym that I referenced before, that actually closed because of asbestos. It was like a big gymnastics gym. It wasn't just like a free running gym. It was a huge gymnastics gym. They were pulling in, you know, I think plenty of money. And then they just abruptly had to close because of asbestos, which was terrible. Um, then I started going to another gym, and this gym only only really had free runners in it. Everybody in the Boston area kind of got separated out into like different gyms, and this one happened to be like the free runner one. So I just started going to that gym, and like Alfred and Sean still went to that gym, and other free runners still went to that gym. So I just like started doing those moves that they were doing. Yeah, I'm like super influenced by people around me. That is super wild, man. And now one thing that I always have like asked Sean about specifically, and it's funny because Sean's going to be a guest on here uh, in like a couple weeks, um, is how are you able to manage, I guess, uh, dealing with the elements, so to speak? You know, like I know that you take a lot of road trips to other places. Uh, and the reason why I ask that is like, you know, right now it's January wintertime in California. And it's 70 degrees. Yesterday I saw a clip of Sean training and he was literally flipping in the snow. Uh, so how do you make the most of your training sessions and the limited outdoor weather I guess you have access to? Yeah, it's funny you say that because it's just snowed about a foot and a half outside, so that's that's good timing. Like it's, it's just now that happened. It's crazy. But um, how do we make it work? I mean, we go to the gym a lot. Like I've been a I've been a total gym rat for at least like a, a couple like separate periods, like separate winters. Like I was a gym rat 
in college like one year ago or so and i've been a gym rat in high school before as well which basically means just going to the gym like every single day like there are a good few gyms around here at least there were before corona and i would just take advantage of that and go to like you know one gym here one gym there maybe this gym three or four times a week maybe this gym twice a week i would just go to the gym every day sometimes twice so there's that you can train in the snow too if you're like feeling it you can do some pretty crazy stuff into the snow i'm sure you've I'm sure you've seen that yeah so you can you just make it work you know like i'm not going to sit around and do nothing for the whole winter totally and now how you just mentioned how you would go to you know basically open gym sessions almost every day sometimes twice a day uh how long were your training sessions for and do you ever have like an issue with uh with like recovery or is your body still able to you know push through since you're relatively young in the in the sport uh for training time it depended a lot on just what gym i was going to and what things i was doing sometimes it'd only be like sometimes it'd only be like an hour sometimes it'd be like three or four if i was going to like the main free running gym so it varied a lot, but I, I just always tried to do something every day because I was doing dailies at the time. I mean, it's, it's like I, I'm doing dailies whenever I can, just something every day. So I would just do something every day and not really worry about the time. But usually I think it average about two hours. Okay. And now, um, so, oh, sorry. What was the other question? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I, you can you can keep going. I was just curious as to like, yeah, how many hours per day you trained and, and also like – you know, if you go twice a day, if it affects your body recovery wise, or if you're able to just push through without soreness because you're still young. Yeah, I don't really get sore, and I haven't gotten sore in a while, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's probably partially because I'm young, but also I think that I think that training every day like kind of protects you from getting sore as well. I hope I don't know. I, I hope it does. I think it does. It should, you know. Yeah, I, I'm gonna keep training every day until like I literally can't anymore, and I think that might be a while. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense, man. And then just as far as like the way that you've been able to train yourself, you obviously mentioned that your mom put you in like a parkour class very early on. Uh, how long did you take classes for before you decided to just you know follow and pursue your own path of movement and kind of you know become more self-taught? I guess for lack of a better explanation. Um. So I started that free running class in like late 2012 i think and then at some point somebody from the main you know team dodo gym was a substitute for my class and they told me oh you should totally go to this gym and then i did join the tricking class there i think i was in the tricking class technically until the gym closed because that just gave me like more time at the gym it wasn't i wasn't being taught stuff after like one year probably or maybe a year and a half like i because you know Tricking classes, like after a certain point, if you get good enough and start pursuing your own stuff, like you're not really being taught things every day. It's more like you're training and like asking for help once in a while. So I think I was in the class for like maybe two and a half years, but I, like it was basically open gym after a year. So, you know. And that's pretty crazy timeline wise, considering that you like started classes in 2012, because there's videos of you on your YouTube back to like 2014, and you're already doing double corks and double folds and stuff like that. Was twisting something that came like relatively easy for you? Uh, I just did it a lot. Like I had a trampoline, and I would just go out on the trampoline like every day and do a lot of twisting. Like a lot of my old videos are just tramp videos, so. Yep, that, that's, I, I credit my whole twisting success to Tramp. <laughs> it's, it's a perfect segue. I was literally going to ask you about that if you if you got most of your gains through the trampoline training and stuff like that because I've seen a lot of clips like that. Is trampoline something that you still fall back on in order to refine skills right now? 
Oh, absolutely. I'm still just training moves that I would only do on the trampoline too. Like I'm trying to do like triple backflips and stuff. Even in Colorado, I was in Colorado for a couple months and I would go on the trampoline like most of the time some days. If I just didn't feel like doing actual tricking or free running, I would just hit the tramp for like the entire session. Totally. Usually alone, but it was fun. Okay. And then just as like just a, a general overall question right now, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, do you twist to the right? Yeah, I'm one of the unusual ones. <laughs> You're one of the dark side trickers, the tricks to the other side. <laughs> and what was it that got you to twist to that side? Is that something that just naturally occurred, or were you taught that way, or did you model yourself after any specific athlete that was already doing it? It's funny because I actually switched for the first like few months. I twisted to my left, and then for some reason, like I started twisting to my right. I don't know why. I think I was having trouble with like a really specific move, like a cork or something, and then I just decided to switch. Okay. And that, that, I don't even. That wasn't a good reason to switch, but I mean, I guess it worked out. You know. <laughs> and that's funny. And then just to bring it up and make it full circle, like when you were a kid first starting off in your movement journey, did you cartwheel to the right or did you cartwheel to the left? Yeah, I cartwheeled to my left. I did like aerials and stuff when I first started and like started training some basic kicks. But then when I started really twisting, I think I moved. that's when I moved over to the right side. Wow. And so did you have to relearn how to do moves like aerial and cartwheel to just set up your setup into your twisting side? Yes, I definitely did. I kind of remember like the first session where I decided to do it. It's kind of a weird memory. But yeah, I, I definitely was just like, trying to learn like a tornado kick and a hook kick and an aerial on that side I had to relearn everything i don't i don't know why i would do that honestly but it's cool <laughs> it is super unique man it's kind of funny like uh i've seen people do the opposite like uh bailey Payne actually used to twist to the right and then mm -hmm. he got lost on a move at a gathering he like went for like full d leg or something and got lost and ate it and he was like i can't twist that way anymore and literally changed his whole twisting side to the other side just crazy wow, I know that. yeah Bailey's actually done I I don't I, I have to confirm with him I know he's done triple on both sides on flat but he I may have it. even gone up to quad on his other side before too which that's is crazy pretty crazy to execute both on on flat ground and then fully re relearn on the other side at least you kind of like made the switch a little earlier on in your career right yes yeah I can do like an ambi B twist like an ambi full and like that's pretty much it so I got out early, but it's so sick that Bailey can do quad on both sides. I'm not surprised because he's a good round off, and like I've seen him do videos of triple, and it's Bailey, so you already know that he's like pushing it real hard. So so insane to watch this guy, and that's cool, man. And then as far as like your own individual like style is concerned and stuff like that, I think a lot of people around the world, including myself, that have watched your, your progress over the years. Um, we're just always blown away by the intensity of the moves, the power that you're able to put into them and generate all this torque, you know. Uh, one of the moves that blows me away is, you know, wall triple full that you're able to do, which is a rare one. Not many people in the world have ever successfully landed that or yet, let alone attempted it. Um, what, what drives your personal style and choice of moves? Do you go into the gym with like a list of things you want to go after or do you have like a list in your head of moves you're trying to check off the list? Sometimes that moves in my head, but honestly, I'm like the opposite of like the man with the plan. Like I literally come into the come into the gym or go outside with no plan. Okay. I also just I don't like to put pressure on myself because I just don't like the way that feels. I usually end up doing it a little bit anyway, but I really try to not have that much in my head before I go out and train. So I, I literally just like see something that somebody else is doing and then try to like do it myself or like. It'll make me think of something that I want to do, 
or like I'll just see like a setup and imagine what I could do there once I get there. I usually don't have something in my head before I go. Okay. Yeah. That's a unique approach because I know there's some other guys that are completely the opposite. They have to like have a set game plan. They analyze it. They go to a spot with a specific move in mind. And along the lines yeah. of like you said, how you thrive better not under pressure. Um, are you constantly filming every single session? And I only ask that because it looks like you have so many clips that you put out. You know, like 2020, yeah. you could scroll through your Instagram for like a minute or two because you've released so many clips. So how do you accumulate all of them? Are they usually like, you know, a couple sessions at a time or do you stockpile footage? Yeah, so I've, I have phases where I film or don't film. Honestly, like some, like there have been months where I just don't film anything because I don't feel like it. Okay. And some months, like, if I'm, like, learning a new move or something, then I'll want to film it a lot just so I can, like, figure it out, and I'll just end up filming all my other stuff, too. So if I'm, like, trying a bunch of different stuff and new stuff, I'll end up filming a lot. And sometimes, yeah, I'll, I'll like, you know, just film a ton of clips and put them in one video, or, like, I'll have a few gym sessions and then just put all the clips from those gym sessions in one video, or, or, or I'll, like, wait, like, a week or two and then make a little video, like just depends on what I'm feeling. Sometimes I feel like editing a video with like music and stuff. Sometimes I don't. But yeah, it's literally just about what I will feel like doing at the time. It's not like a formula or anything. Okay. And is there anyone specifically that you like grew up watching or continue to watch at this point in your career for inspiration? Or do you just kind of just stick to yourself and, and look internally for that? Oh, I watch a lot of like trickers and free runners i still watch a lot of alfred's videos yes. i watch a lot of sean's old videos i watch a lot of russians like eric and like shade yeah so a lot of a lot of russians um yeah that's pretty, that's mostly it i watch trickers like i watch shosei and zen and I, obviously I, like i watch people's instagrams and stuff but youtube i try to i like make a conscious effort to watch youtube as well because like I don't know, that's where I get the most like motivation to actually go out and do stuff. I don't really get much motivation from just watching a clip on Instagram. I like videos that like make me feel a certain way, you know? Yeah, I agree with you, man. The, the, there's like a, a whole switch now within our community where it used to be all about making the coolest sampler that kind of summed up your year overall, and now it's kind of transition where people are just release a single clip a day on Instagram, and it's easy to kind of get lost amongst so much movement over there rather than uh, like you said, like getting a feeling from something and kind of like the energy and spirit that you see from watching like a whole video of someone's compilation. Yeah, it seems like it's making somewhat of a comeback, which I like. I just hope that more people get into it because those are the kinds of things that I really enjoy watching. It's also easier to find stuff like Instagram. You can't actually find anything most of the time unless somebody's hashtagged it, which most people don't. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, man. You're right. I, I, if Instagram did have a way that you could like search moves or videos, it'd be a lot better. But uh, yeah, basically, unless you're doing like save your clips or something like that, it's just gonna get lost uh, in the in the abyss of endless Instagram clips. And uh, along the lines of like all the clips that you have, I know one thing that really stands out to me, especially for someone being as young as yourself, is that you have a, a relatively good amount of clips uh, training in lots of different gyms and places other than your hometown back uh, back near Boston. Um, so with that being said, like, do your parents allow you to just go on these trips with the intention of just going to train with other people, or how are you able to pull these off? Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. I mean, from the very beginning, in like 2014, they took me to a gathering, Battle of Fury, which you probably have heard of. Yeah, of course. And I, was, and I was like 13 at the time, and obviously like a lot of parents wouldn't be down for that, but mine were. They stayed, but after that gathering, they pretty much just like let me 
they just let me like go on my own because I don't know they just trusted me I guess like I've have haven't like done anything that would lead them to think that I was gonna do something stupid if I went on a road trip or something like that so yeah they've just trusted me very nice of them and I've been able to go on a lot of trips and go to like a lot of gatherings and it's been amazing yeah yeah 100% I think that's so so cool to see you know Um, and one of the things that I think is really cool is your ability to not only just be able to do all of your hard stuff back at your you know quote-unquote home gym because a lot of us get really comfortable in the gyms that we are you know training five days a week and stuff like that Uh, you specifically though like are able to go to like all these new places all the time and kind of throw yourself into the environment and uh, land a bunch of stuff and uh, I think one trip that's like really really memorable to me uh, which we can talk about at length here at a couple different things. So I'll try to isolate them. But uh, October 19th, you put out a clip where you were in Colorado where you did your first, I believe, double side flip on flat over there. Uh, mm-hmm. And with something like that, how long had you been training double side for? And was that a move that you went to Colorado with the intentions of landing or just kind of like feel it at this session? Yeah, that one, I just felt it. Um, but yeah, I went to Colorado in September, started going to the gyms there. Obviously, like the people there are so crazy that it's like super inspiring. And double side flip, um, I've been trying to do it for a long time, but I never like put a bunch of reps into it because like I just I do it like off stuff like yeah. outside or whatever, but I never like did a bunch of double side flips on the floor trying to land it because like punching hurts and also like I just didn't care that much. But this floor at this gym, it's called Cast Gymnastics. It's like a super popular gym in Colorado. You might even know it honestly, but that's, um, that's where all the Denver triggers train out of, yeah. Or like all the uh, guys yeah. are there, yeah. Denver and Boulder. It's like a crazy floor, and I was like, if I'm gonna do it on a floor, it's not gonna hurt me. It's gonna be this one. So, yeah, I just tried it. I don't know, worked. That's yeah. so funny, man. Yeah, that gym cat sessions on on the weekends I know are super banging, and during the weeks obviously too. But yeah, I know all the guys like Alex Kerwood train over there, Ethan Turner, you know, Jordan, Alexander. So. Uh, yep. There's some banging stuff going down in Colorado, and I think what's crazy to me though is that uh, you know. You landed that October 19th, and then four days later, on October 23rd, you released a clip of yourself doing standing double backflip, which kind of, you know, for that day, shut down the internet and took it over because we're still uh, kind of in our infancy as far as people are concerned with that. And do you know what number you were on the list as far as number in the world of landing it? I think I'm 9 or 10. Depends on your standards, obviously, but yeah, somewhere around there. Okay. And is that a move that you had chased and continued to train over the years, or what inspired you to do that one? Yeah, I would always just, like, do standing double backflips, like, outside and stuff. Like, I started doing standing double backflip outside in, like, 2017, and then I would just start doing it, like, a little bit lower. Like, I did it off my trampoline at one point, and that was really hype for me. It's probably in, like, 2018. And then, like, at some point, I just started doing it, like, off rod floor to, to, like, foam pits and stuff, and, like just got better at it like eventually I did it off a floor to like a pretty level mat and I was like hmm this might like be a thing for me someday on the floor like I kind of figured it would be but I wasn't really going to go after it and then I was at Katz again of course um and they have a setup that's like a a not very good spring floor to a level resi and I did it there and put my hands down and I was like if this spring floor if I can do it off this floor because this floor is not that good then I could probably do it on a real floor like in landed and uh over the next few days i like worked on my on my tuck and stuff because i knew that there was something wrong with it and then i just like fixed it up and then like just did it like i didn't really think it was going to work on that particular day but 
don't know. It, it did. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it didn't take that long. It was such a such a hype moment. You can see everyone in the gym freak out. Um, absolutely insane moment. And was there like a sense of relief when you land a move like that that you've been chasing for so long, or does it like cause more anxiety because you're like, oh, well, I did that hard move. Now I have to do something even harder down the road. Hmm. Um, I think it was mostly just like happiness and surprise that I landed it. But with other moves, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's relief. Because, I don't know, I enjoy trying it. Like, I'm not scared to try it again or anything. Like, I'm just, like, happy that I got it in a way that I liked. Like, if I get this double gate, I'm not going to be, like, relieved that I got it without breaking my ankle again. I think I'll just be happy that I, like, finally got it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'd feel some anxiety, like, oh, my God, I have to try to gate full in now. But, no, I mean, I'm... Once again, I try not to put pressure on myself like that because I, I don't like doing that, you know? That's how you get injured sometimes, you know? Yeah, one hundred percent. I I totally agree with that. And now, with that being said, you know, like we we've talked about it from you know dub gate to wall trip full to standing double back. Are there any moves still on your list of quote unquote like dream tricks? Uh, and if it puts too much pressure on you to say it publicly, you don't have to say it. I had a I had flip like Z on here, and he was like, I don't want to reveal my list because I don't want people to call me out on it. So uh, you can keep it a secret or let us know. But I'm just curious if there's anything that's going on in that head of yours that you're thinking of doing in the future. Yeah, I mean, not really a secret, but I just want to do double gate again and like land it or land it nicer and not hurt myself. I would also like to do the uh, front pull in roll and not hurt myself. It's pretty simple. I don't know. That might be it for now. But yeah, I've, those are moves that I like know I can do because I already did them. But I just want to land it cleaner and like not hurt myself. So okay. that might be it. I can't think of anything else. Maybe like a full full outside or something like that. Yeah, I don't really like. Uh, I don't really like pursue these goals for like months at a time. You know. Yeah. It usually just like happens. So yeah, that's just how I train. That's cool, man. It's like such a such a different way to approach things. I literally just had breakfast yesterday with a a guy I've had on the Jamcast before. His name's William Spencer. He's like a skate ninja. Oh, they call him where he implements oh. flipping to skating. And uh, he's been filming one video for four years straight, and I was with him last weekend where he finally landed his last trick that he's been trying for almost a year, bro. And we're talking, we're talking like multiple sessions where he goes there for like three to six hours at a time and tries to land one trick. And uh, it's just so funny to hear the difference in your training where you're like, yeah, I just show up and kind of think of it, and if not, it's like whatever. (laughs) Yeah, but that style of training is cool because you can really accomplish some like absolutely crazy stuff uh, you know i'm sure he was he's not like pressuring himself into it i'm sure he's doing that because he really wants that one thing so badly you know and that means this video is going to be insanely sick i'm hyped to see it <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro the final move i'm not going to spoil it but it is bananas on a free running level and a skating level combined it is it is nuts dog i was so blessed to be one of the five people there to witness it so can't wait for you to see it because i think you'll dig it it's super dope dude but uh Absolutely. <laughs> and so, yeah, with that being said, I'm going to ask you about a, a personal one uh, just to throw it out there. And I only ask this because I feel like I've seen you do this, um, but I feel like I've seen you do uh, gate double full or at least it looked like gate full, full down pretty easily. Do you think uh, gate triple is ever possible? I mean, like anything's possible. It's just like <laughs> I need a really good setup for that. Plus, nobody actually does gate double full. I think me... I didn't even land it. I put my hand down, but some some dude landed it. He did it from like a sitting gate, which was like what the heck. But yeah, um, 
Yeah, me and one other guy have done gate double full. I don't know, you need to do a lot of gate double fulls. Like, I don't even think I could gate triple full into a foam pit right now. But like, <laughs> never say never. Like, there's no reason why it shouldn't work, you know? It's just a, it's a backflip set and then you just twist. So yeah, sure, I think it could happen. Okay, I just had to ask because like you said, it's only, I've only seen you and one other guy go after it. And, uh, and yours was relatively clean. Obviously, like you said, you put a hand down upon the landing, but uh, yeah, I would say if anyone has the torque and the air awareness to do it, you're definitely on that short list of people. So uh, I'll just put that one out <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> I think gate full in might be more realistic than that one, honestly. <laughs> yeah, gate, gate full in would still be crazy too. And what was crazy to me is when I saw you do your gate double full, it almost looked like you stalled the full separately because I'm used to you twisting so fast from the start, like on your wall triple full, that um, you know I, I was almost like, man, I wonder if you can even do gate full in, full out eventually too. like. My mind was going crazy watching you, dog. <laughs> I mean, those things can definitely happen. You just need, like a crazy setup. I don't know if you've seen, but um, me and Sean train sometimes at this place called the Boros. It's like a big old sand construction site. Yeah, the downhill. That's the kind of place where uh, those things will happen for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. And along the lines of that, man, this is a great segue because I was going to ask, like, you know, what your preference is as far as a training spot is concerned. Because we do see you at the place like there, the outhill sand dune. We see you training in your basement sometimes we see you jumping off cliffs and bridges we obviously see you in the gyms and outside uh where's your like favorite place to train is it inside a gym so that you can be creative with less risk or do you actually prefer going outside to push your skill level um that's a good question i have not put much thought into that i just like making the most of wherever i am honestly so like if i'm at a spot with a bunch of concrete that's like only concretes. I'm like, all right, this is sick. I'll just do concretes. If I'm on grass, I'll just trick. If I see like a ledge, I'll you know cast off it or whatever. It's really just like depends on what I feel like doing that day. I guess that would that's like my favorite spot changes. You know, okay. some days I just feel like tricking. In which case, you know, my favorite spot is my yard. But some days, like I would love to go to a crazy parkour spot. Like maybe IMAX would be sick one day. You know, like it totally depends on what I'm feeling. A hundred percent. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, man. And uh, along the lines of like, you know, the, the different environments that you train within and stuff like that also, do you do any cross training besides just tricking and free running in order to build up your legs for all of these impacts and landings outside? Or does it just happen because of all the days you spend training? Yeah, honestly, no, I've never done like anything. <laughs> Literally just training all the time. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's really it. Everybody asks me if I lift. I'm like, nope, never, never lift. Yep. Yeah, that was my question was if you lifted basically because you obviously have a lot of strength in your body, um, but you're still relatively young. So it's like your body still hasn't even fully matured yet by any means. So, I mean, as far as like a, t a lifespan of a, an athlete is concerned, they say most athletes hit their physical male peak around like 32 to 34. So, I mean, dude, you're you're still riding the curve. <laughs> you got a long time yeah, to go, dude. dog. Dude, I hope so, yeah. I'm just gonna keep doing stuff. I figure if I keep taking impact, then my body will like keep adapting to be able to take impact, you know, whatever happens, so. 100%. Yeah, I just wanna, if, if I, you know, if I just keep training the same way that I am, I figure it's fine. That's what I hope anyway. Okay, and you're kind of at a unique age, especially within the movement world, and also you know just in, in I guess life in general. At being 19, obviously you're out of high school right now. What what is your goal right now? Are you pursuing higher education? I think you mentioned college earlier in our in our talk. But what is the goal at this point in your life? Are you trying to pursue higher education, or are you trying to pursue a, a life through movement? 
Yeah, so I'm actually doing computer science at a state school here in Massachusetts, um, and it's been fun, but I don't really want to get a job very soon. I'd rather, like, I don't know, I'd rather just, like, travel and, like, yeah, do flips and somehow make it work, you know? Even if I'm not living, like, the most extravagant life, I would not, I wouldn't, wouldn't mind at all. So, yeah, comp sci would be fun, and I'm, I'm interested in it. Like, I'm not just doing it for the money, but... I also wouldn't be disappointed at all if I never used my computer science degree, like, ever, you know? So, yeah, basically life through movement, I guess, is what I want. Okay. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, man. I have a college degree that I don't use by any means at all. Um, but it's just cool that I was able to go through experience and, and get the college experience and also, you know, have something to fall back on, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I think yep. that you're pursuing the right thing, man. And along the, uh, the lines of your computer science and stuff like that, uh, I've always wanted to ask you about this. I saw you post something uh, a while ago about something online called NumiClone. I don't know if I'm pronouncing <laughs> that right or not. So can you just explain to me what NumiClone is and you know, let the viewers know. If, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's something that you created. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a game I made. So there used to be a game called NumiBot. This was, this was, I don't know, like five years ago or something. It was some years ago. There's a game called NumiBot, and you could, there's the stickman who can swing on a bar and like do re-grabs and stuff. It, it looks like my game, basically. But the developer, for some reason, like he pushed an update that like broke the game, and it was like trash. And there were also like tons of ads. So I was like, how can I? Is there a way I can just like totally rip off this dude's game and and like not have ads and also just make it better? It was not just for that. Like I was interested in it too, and like wanted to learn. But like I also just wanted to play the game without ads and like without I don't know, just make it better. So yeah, it took me a couple tries. Like I tried it like two or three times over the past few years. But then last year around this time, I kind of figured out how his game worked. Then I just made my own game that was the exact same, and now I'm just like making it better. So yep. I'm hyped on how many people are playing it now, dude. Like, so many people have messaged me saying, like, dude, I'm so addicted to your game. I'm like, sick. <laughs> dude, that is crazy that you literally were able to uh, reverse engineer that, come up with it. What was the, I mean, you obviously mentioned that you tried several times in the last couple of years, but how long did it actually take you to develop the entire thing from start to finish? And is it something that you had to, like, code from, from scratch, or were you able to, like, draw upon previous stuff from the other game? Um, okay. Well, I did have to code it from scratch, but like it's using a game engine that makes things easier. Okay. And sorry, what was the first question? Oh, I, I just wanted to know like how long it took you to do, I guess, to, to fully develop oh, it. Yeah. So like I did it over a few years, but like maybe like a combined few weeks of development of me just like messing around on my computer to like get to get to the point of where I am now. Maybe maybe a few more than a few weeks, but yeah, like. It didn't take crazy long because it's not like a refined, refined like polished game. You know, it's like a stickman. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's not like once you, once I figured out the physics, like it it was it wasn't very hard. No so, way. That, yeah. To me, dog, that that's just as impressive as Walter Buffold to me that you were able to code <laughs> a game from scratch, dog. That's so cool. Um, and with that being said, uh, where can people like follow or, or where can they download the game so people that may not be aware of it are able to go out there and check it out and try to play themselves? So you can just look up Numi Clone, N O O M I Clone on the App Store or Google Play, okay. and it should pop up. You can also Google it, and there's a version that you can play on your computer, like online. 
using the keyboard. So there's that. Yeah. That's sick, man. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have any plans to continue to like add updates to it, or, or you know, I guess further the engine, or is this just like a one and done? You did it, and that's your contribution. Um, I think I'm gonna add more maps. I'm actually working on that like now. Like I worked on it today. Like started working on it pretty recently because I just got home. So I've been working on it. Gonna add some maps. We'll see where that goes. But I don't have any like crazy plans. But like yeah, I just wanted to make it fun and like make it super accessible and easy to play people that's super sick man super impressive and uh we'll we'll uh, make sure to put a link to it i guess in the description so people can go uh check it out and follow along and stuff like that um and so like uh with that being said like obviously right now you have a lot of free time on your hands while you're recovering from this collarbone surgery uh so what do the next few months look like for you timetable wise and uh, what are your goals like heading into 2021 um well school just started for me so actually kind of good timing I'm just like I can get into it more than I could have in, in like Colorado, for example, like because I have a lot more time. I can like learn stuff, and I enjoy school, so it's fine for me. Um, I'm good, doing a lot more like rehab for my ankles, just because like now seems like a good time, you know. Uh, and my knees as well. My my you no know, knees over toes guy. Yes. Probably gonna try that program. <laughs> uh -huh. But yeah, I'm hoping that. Hoping though that in like a month I could start doing something, and once I can start doing something, you know, that, then that's it. I can just do that one thing like a hundred times, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I think once I can start doing something, I'm gonna go back to Colorado and like hang out with those people. So yep. Okay. Yeah. And at this point, do you have uh, how many years of schooling do you have left? Are you in your first year, second year of college right now? I'm a sophomore going into my second semester, so I'll have this semester and then two more years, and they'll probably be on campus. Oh, okay, so, cool. And do you think you'll stop after an uh, undergraduate degree, or is it something with CompSci, will you pursue it uh, at an even higher level? Like, right now, I'm like, there's no way I'm doing grad school. I guess we'll see in a couple of years, but, like, no, <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Once I got out of college, I was like, I cannot study anymore, dog. I don't want to take a single <laughs> test ever again in my life, you know? <laughs> That's super cool, man. And so, yo, with that being said, um, what advice would you have for like uh, any kids that are out there? Um, it's very unique that we're able to get individuals like yourself that are at such a young age on the Jamcast. Generally speaking, I'm able to get guys that have been in the scene for you know a significant amount of time, so they're kind of at a different part of their performance and training career. Uh, so, what advice would you have for you know some young teenagers right now that may be watching this and want to know how to get to the same level as yourself? Yeah, so I would say just like train a lot, like find ways to make it fun for yourself so you're not just like going out and like not having any fun because that's like, that's not gonna work for you. Like finding some people to train with is a good way to do that so they can like push you. Like I know that I personally train way like better and harder and have a lot more fun around other people. So just like try to make other people do flips and then flip with them a lot. That's like, yeah, that's, that's how you start. Just train all the time. I think that's great advice, man. And uh, along the lines of that, man, this is a question that I kind of ask everyone before we get out of here, and I'm, I'm super curious to see your answer because obviously you've alluded to the fact you want to try to make a life out of, of, of movement. Uh, where do you personally see yourself five years from now, and then where do you see yourself 10 years from now? That's a good question. I don't know, five years from now, I guess I see myself like, hopefully just still like traveling around and doing flips and like, somehow either making money or like 
being broke but like still being able to train all the time because that's like a popular option too you know (laughs) (laughs) totally dog totally (laughs) in 10 years like i don't know ideally i'd still be doing that but you know it's possible that i'd be like doing a comp side job by now or by then i don't know i just want to be doing this for as long as possible that's all i know okay hell yeah man well hopefully we'll be uh, able to continue to witness the journey and hopefully it'll be a, a, a journey with a lot less injuries along the way but uh, more than anything we'll uh on behalf of myself i'm sure along with everyone else in the community we'll continue to watch you man we're really thankful for all you've done for the community at such a young age and uh keep pushing the limits man i can't wait to see what you do next thank you hell yeah Hell yeah. And so, yeah, with that being said, can you just let people know where they can continue to follow your personal journey, whether that's online or your YouTube? And if you want, you can shout out the game again so people can know where to check it out. Yeah, sure. So my Instagram is at YOLOFLOW7. Uh, my YouTube is James East, James Space East. And the game is called New Me Clone. And that's, that's it, I think. Hell yeah. And so, yo, before we get out of here, man, I never do this, but I have to do it. I normally end with that question, but I have to ask. Where does YOLO flow come from? Just because, obviously, if you're in the community, I know of YOLO flow, I know of Rolo flow, I know of Solo flow. So, where did YOLO flow come from? It's something that I have to ask you before we get out of here. Yeah, I, uh, it wasn't like it wasn't like a uh, it wasn't like a plan of mine or anything. I literally lost odds to make my Instagram name that. Like I was playing odds with my friend. I'm sure you know the game yeah. odds, and like it was a pretty high odds because I had like a decent amount of followers at the time i think but uh yeah i lost odds and yeah i just left it because i don't know i kind of liked it i thought it was funny so that's really it (laughs) such a simple (laughs) story i've always wanted to know so funny doug hell yeah Yeah. well yo with that being said man i appreciate you coming through and uh you know sending you positive wishes and hopefully this recovery won't take too long thank you dude i appreciate you having me on hell yeah Yo, guys, with that being said, please be sure to hit that like button, comment, subscribe for brand new episodes each and every week. Join us every Monday for Jam Breakdowns and every Friday for brand new Jamcast, interviewing influential members of the movie community like Mr. James West himself. So with that being said, guys, I'd give one more very special shout out. Thanks for coming through, homie. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Hell yeah. And as always, guys, coming at you, coming through, I'm your host, Travis Wong. Thanks for joining us here on another Jamcast. Until next time, we'll see you all soon. Peace. <laughs>